Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, with our weekly review of the news, Just Ask the Press. With me, as always, is former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin and current editor-at-large from CQ Rocall, John Bennett. Today, we got a lot to unpack. Man, it's been a busy week. I don't know about anybody else. Have you ever seen a busier? Have you ever seen a busier week? Yes, that's right. Last night, the guy known for uh, his sarcastic comedy, Matthew Perry, died, apparently drowned in his, uh, his own hot tub. But that's not the top of the news. We've got a new speaker in town. Who is he? That would be uh, Mr. Johnson. Government shutdown looms. Is the GOP band back together? The ground war has been launched in Gaza as U.S. hits targets in Syria, who were prompted by Iranian uh, influence, we understand. There's been a mass shooting in Tampa overnight, but there was a mass shooting in Maine. And nothing is done about that again. Uh, meanwhile, in the Donald Trump case, he's been sanctioned $10,000 for uh, violating his gag order. Smith wants to reintroduce another gag order. Uh, Donald Trump may be off the ballot in Colorado. At least that's what he's telling his followers. And Michael Cohen testifies in New York while Donald Trump runs off in a huff. So that's the busy. We could spend an hour on that. But meanwhile, don't forget, Mike Pence drops out of the race for president. And few people even knew he was in it. Uh, Joe Biden has a new challenger. And finally, uh, in good news, the Beatles released their last single ever. So that's a lot to unpack in a week, and we have a lot of questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, with our weekly news in review show, Just Ask the Press. And I guess I'll just start out asking you, uh, John, as a, our former Capitol Hill reporter extraordinaire, who is the new speaker and what can he do, if anything? The floor is yours, <laughs> my brother. <laughs> well, we didn't know a lot about uh, Mike Johnson. Who I didn't did. even know who the hell he was. I'm going to be honest right. with you. I, um, I, I right. texted that to you. you who did. the hell is this guy? You did. Um, and what we learned as, as you know, as these things happened, he was, I guess we can call him a cons the consensus candidate that emerged. Uh, House Republicans, um, they just wanted something different. And 
you know, they cycled through Kevin McCarthy and then the majority leader, the number two, Steve Scalise was the speaker nominee after McCarthy was ousted. Excuse me. And and then Jim Jordan, who's, a, you know, a prominent name on Fox News and Newsmax and and, and Fox Business and all that. And, and he's the judiciary chairman. He's, you know, been leading the, the charge with James Comer on investigating Biden and, and his son, Hunter Biden. Uh, and he's a big name, but the Republicans didn't want that either. Moderates didn't want Jordan. Far right didn't want Scalise and McCarthy. Um, Tom Emmer, who's the number three Republican, he's in leadership. Everyone's mad at leadership. Uh, within the Republican conference, uh, they talk about the five families or five major groups. The five and, families. Yeah, for They're different reasons. <laughs> for different reasons, big numbers of all those families were mad at leadership sometimes for completely contradictory reasons. So it wasn't going to be anyone from leadership. That became clear really um, really after Scalise. I think that was clear. But they have a hierarchy, and they went through the hierarchy. And it was noisy and chaotic. And, you know, Scalise didn't even get to the floor with his candidacy. It lasted a couple hours, and then he was out. So <clears throat> that that's basically it. They all wanted something different. And, and enter Mike Johnson. And as the Gateses of the world call him, MAGA Mike Johnson. And he is true blue, uh, I'm sorry, true red, MAGA red, that is. <laughs> and he's from, excuse me, he's from Louisiana. He's uh, a Southern lawyer. And I'll let readers decide or listeners decide how they, what, how they can define that on their own. I've known a couple Southern lawyers. I know you have too, Brian. Yeah. So, and what we've learned about uh, about Mr. Johnson, Speaker Johnson, is he's very conservative. He's very religious, um, which which is is fine and good. Uh, a lot of people in America polls show still say at least that they like their church and state separate. We'll see how much his religion seeps into whatever agenda now the House is going to pursue. Uh, he he hates large spending bills. We were talking before we hit the button to record. He's the best I can tell since he was sworn in in 2017, he's never voted for what's called an omnibus spending package, which is when um, lawmakers will put together two, four, or all 12 annual appropriations bills into one one big bill. And that's a way to pass them quickly. Usually at the end of the year, more on this coming up, I believe, um, usually at the end of the year is when they'll do that, right before the holidays, uh, pass a big bill and, and, and you know, fund the government until September and, and get out of town, go open presents and watch football. Well, what we're learning about Mr. Johnson is, is, you know, he talks about, he has a biblical worldview and um, he, he's described America as an, a moral, amoral country that we've lost our way. And he's anti-gay marriage. Kind of seems like he's anti um, LGBTQ plus people in general. He believes you know, all of that is a, uh, a sin, according uh, to the Christian Bible, and basically says that America, while, yes, we're a nation of laws, uh, need to be ruled more by biblical teachings and what's in the Bible. And um, I know a lot of people have problems with that already. Um, there are people are calling him, uh, you know, a, a far, far right extremist, not just a far right extremist. So, He's very different than Kevin McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy is more along the lines of the best anyone has ever been able to tell because he does shift and change his political stripes, something like a chameleon, 
but he is fundamentally more like a country club Republican, like a Mitch McConnell Republican. Yeah. Mr. Johnson is not that Mr. Johnson. Um, you know, he's more of your evangelical type conservative Republican. And I'm not sure how that applies to leading a conference with five very different groups, including several big moderate groups in places where, you know, good old Southern down home evangelicalism, that's not, that's, that doesn't apply in places like, you know, upstate New York or, or, you know, Mike Lawler's district. That's not the same. So we knew it would be hard for anybody to unify this conference, bring it together, lead it, pass legislation, um, and set an agenda. And, and you know, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough uh, for Mr. Johnson to do that. It would have been tough for anybody to do that. Don't get me wrong, but um, some of what we're learning, I, I'm just not sure he's he's going to be the best fit. Not that anybody could be for, for are we going to go to a government shutdown do you think on this november 17th the senate and president biden i think to avoid a shutdown they would have to be the ones to give here and i don't think a continuing resolution is completely out of the realm of possibility but they the democrats in the senate even senate republicans like to spend oh by the way and and president biden will probably have to accept that CR at some kind of lower level. Maybe not all, all the way to what the conservatives in the House want, but they might have to take this one on the chin to keep the government open for a few more weeks or or a few more months. Michael, my question for you is there there's great deal of concern among, well, let's start with this. Jo Johnson um, isn't more conservative than the Republicans of yesteryear is is CNN reports um, the Republicans have just become you know far more conservative right Hal Rogers who was first elected in 1980 and is the longest serving House Republican incumbent was more conservative than 59 percent of the GOP members during his first term now he's more moderate than 80 percent of House Republicans that being said that tells wow. you where the Republicans have gone yeah. so yeah. they're concerned there is a legitimate concern about the blending of church and state and in fact there are members uh there are supporters of um of Johnson and the Republican conservatives who say that there is no separation of church and state. So I'm going to just read the First Amendment, which says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's a lot of freedoms that seem to be covered in the First Amendment. And so... They're saying, his supporters are saying there is no separation of church and state. And in fact, we are a Christian nation. How do you, you're you're my go-to guy for the law, brother. So unpack that for me. <laughs> well, in, the, the founders of the country were all, pretty much all religious people. And they did believe it was, you know, one nation under God. That wasn't right. um, accidental. But the First Amendment makes clear what even if you are a god-fearing christian 
it means to not impose that will on a secular government, which is our government. So the First Amendment says that you can't make laws that favor one religion over another or punish one or prohibit the free exercise of your religion. So it's not that people can't be God-fearing Christians in our country as the founders was. It just means were. It just means that you can't make any laws abridging um, rights or interfering with other people's rights. I don't believe in all things that other religious groups believe in. I believe in my religious tenets, and I have the right to believe that. And I don't have the right, and no one has the right to impose on me their beliefs. Now, the, the tricky part with with um, Johnson, like Pence, is that they believe that our you know laws should derive from sort of the deity, and that's just not the way it works. The laws derive from Congress. You know, one's religious belief can inform the types of legislation they want to see passed, but we don't derive our uh, authority from from the Christian Bible. And, yeah, and 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 Johnson. Let me just read read you a paragraph. It says uh, Julian Zelazar, the Princeton historian, wrote a piece, and he says on almost every issue, Johnson is hard right. He has been a staunch opponent of same sex marriage. He has been at the forefront of opposing reproduction reproductive rights. He opposed funding for Ukraine. He wants to deregulate the economy, cut taxes, deny the very real problems facing the climate. He export he supports expunging former Donald Trump's President Donald Trump's second impeachment, questioned the Justice Department for how it's handled Biden's investigation, and most importantly, was at the center of the effort to overturn the 2020 election. All of which you would think, you know, uh, would inform moderate Republicans, but he was elected uh, unanimously, I believe, right, as as, yeah. as speaker. And so you don't know whether this was just exhaustion on the part of the moderates, <laughs> um, recognizing they just had a, to use one of the, the phrases of a Republican, put this clown show, you know, behind us. Um, but uh, uh, Dan Pfeffer, uh, uh, the former Obama um, political person wrote a piece saying, is this good news for the Democrats? Meaning, do they now have someone to run against? Do they can they can they sort of wrap up the Republican Party, not only with Donald Trump uh, for what he stands for, or doesn't stand for, but with Johnson to say this is this is who they are now. This person, the list of of positions that I just read out, is who he is, and that's not where America is. You know, right. polling indicates that people support same sex marriage, people support um, reasonable gun control, people support LGBT Q rights more more broadly. They than just gay marriage. They. Um, have lots of issues with with his climate denying positions. And so, you know, maybe it is that the Republicans have shown who the current day Republicans are, and the Democrats now have an opportunity to say, let's compare and contrast. 
you've got Joe Biden, who may be old. Um, no, but he is he, old. Not maybe he is, but <laughs> um, but this is what he stands for. Yeah, and you've got Joe, and then you've got Donald Trump, who seems He's also old. old. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been watching some of his speeches, and he seems to flub as many words as as Biden, maybe more. Or, um, and 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 now leader, uh, whatever the hell he's called, um, <laughs> Johnson, who 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 uh, stands for all of these things. So people, you know, pays your money, takes your chance. You know, who do you want? What do you want? Well, so maybe it is. You know, maybe maybe it is good now. Whether or not um, the uh, announcement that by the Minnesota congressman, whose name Dean Phillips, uh, undermines Biden, um, is, uh, is we'll a question to, to be later. taken up later. I can say is a <laughs> question to be taken up later. Well, but so yeah, so I think you got you've got pretty stark contrast now between who the Republicans are in Congress, at least in the House, who their leading candidate is and what the alternatives are so it's bad for the country but maybe short-term good for 2024 democrats well as i, I sit here in as i sit here in um <laughs> santos's district which is where <laughs> my mom lives that's, god bless you <laughs> his office is just down the street oh um, lord well we'll get I, go, I may get it for you for your upcoming um christmas gifts i may get you guys re-elect santos buttons <laughs> there you go yeah, that'll be a collector's a bumper item. sticker. But, you know, but Jake me... Jake Tapper in his office at CNN has the has um, political signs of people who ran for office. You know those those things, and I've he's got, got those. the the signs of I think every unsuccessful presidential candidate. That's what his. his I have his a, I have a Nixon is. is the one, but, but let me put a. I, I he want, was the one. I, I want to put a bow on this for a second, just because this issue I've seen in social media, I've seen it on uh, new, on the news, I've heard it discussed in many places, but it was Madison who said that we do have a separation of church and state simply to avoid the bloodshed that had happened in Europe over many centuries. And the establishment clause, and you're, you're my legal guy, just tell me if I'm wrong, but the establishment clause of the First Amendment does prohibit the government from making any law, quote, respecting an establishment of religion. So this clause not only forbids the government from establishing an official religion, but also prohibits government actions that unduly favor one religion or another. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's, a well, that's pretty, what I, yeah, that's what I, that's what I tried to say. They can't, my, my religious freedom extends to, to my religious beliefs and, Yours to yours, and no government shall say Brian's view, God forbid, Brian's view of religion should yeah. um, be imposed on on me. I'll take <laughs> Bennett's, you know, who who wouldn't want an evangelical North Carolinian <laughs> worldview? <laughs> but, ser no, but, ser but seriously, but seriously that, that's that's the point. The, 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 and while Irish, they have had Christian beliefs, I mean... Look, many of them. Were I was going to say, you can believe whatever you want to believe, yeah. but they don't. That because they're in the New Testament, um, Mike yeah, which Pence and, and and literally is doesn't make it so. Well, and it doesn't make it part of your Christian belief. Most of the uh, founding fathers described themselves as, de as deists. They believed in God, but not necessarily a religion. 
And those that did believe in a religion said, um, you know, like John Adams, the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. The belief in God is different from the belief in a Christian religion. I mean, there are 14,000 different religions and gods on, on the planet. So while they believed in God, they didn't believe that a nation should be founded on Christianity. And but that's what I said. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, what I, that's what I was trying to say, yeah. Brian. Same thing. You could be a God-fearing Christian. Um, you can believe in God, but that doesn't mean God's laws, as you interpret them, apply on earth. Right. Okay. Well, with that uh, wrapped Just up- Brian. Yeah, so I just want to jump in. Um, uh, I found a uh, October 27th of last year, Pew Research Center poll that found two thirds of U.S. adults say churches should keep out politics. It's two thirds. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I guess that's to um, Pfeffer's point, which is if you've yeah. got a person who yeah. takes his direction from from the Bible, his Bible, not mine, um, and believes that God's laws should be, you know, our, you know, statutory laws, and you've got him supporting Donald Trump, um, a threat to democracy, then you've got a good compare and contrast. And Except that you've got Robert Kennedy Jr. and, and maybe Dean Phillips. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, don't get me started. I, I, I think of every time you say Dean Phillips, I think of Rodney Dangerfield's back to school and I'm looking for Dean Martin, but um, <laughs> different Dean. So, but, but the idea of religion uh, weighs heavily in our next particular uh, discussion. And that is the ground war that's launched in Gaza. U.S. has hit targets in Syria. Um, Israel has. Uh, yeah. Oh, U.S. Well, has. US, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. US yeah, yeah. Has. sorry, 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 sorry. Israel is on the ground in Gaza. There is no, um, there, there's no, apparently no uh, cell service or internet service. And, uh, you know, an area where 2 million people live and 50,000 of them are uh, supposed to be Hamas fighters. This situation is, seems to be getting out of control quickly. And I'll be the first to say, look, I remember, um, I vaguely remember the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I, look at the world situation and I remember the Vietnam War very well and I look at this world situation today I think this is the the closest to the cliff we've been in quite a while with wars raging not only in Africa but in Ukraine and now in Israel and the Middle East and this is threatening to spread quickly Michael you want to help unpack some of that I wish I knew what was going on in in Israel you know there are certain facts Israel was attacked by Hamas brutally um, in, in ways that the, the criminality of which is unspeakable. Yes. And um, Israel properly, I think, has a right to defend itself against that and has taken action um, in is taking action against Hamas. The problem is, as is the case in all war, is that there are civilian casualties, people who are just trying to get on with their lives and be, you know, left alone, and they're suffering mightily. And it's hard to say, well, you know, Israel is to blame for that, and they have to put a ceasefire into effect. And I, I just think 
what would the United States or any nation state have done if similarly attacked? We saw what we did when we were attacked in 9-11. 9-11, remember, uh, the number of people died um, compared to the number of people who died in the Israel attack. I think as a matter of the uh, percentage of population, it was it would have been about 44,000 deaths in the U.S. Right. Um, so essentially, forty-four thousand people were killed uh, as a uh, comparative matter of the population, yeah. um, and so ten ten times less. And we intact, we invade Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan, countries that really had nothing to do with nine eleven. Um, so I mean, I, it's very hard for me to say Israel can't do this, but I do recognize the horror that um, the people, in, the innocent people of Gaza are, are suffering. But I don't know what the, I don't know what the solution um, uh, to, to it is. I, I know that My it would question, be awfully there nice. Another path? You, 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 no, I was going to say it'd be awfully nice if Egypt was part of the solution. Yeah. That they, they opened the gates so that you could get, you might, they may, they don't want the refugee crisis. Egypt doesn't want a refugee crisis. Well, why don't they didn't... prosecute the Hamas crisis? I mean, if you're going to really do it, but my my question is, you you no, make... but I'm just going to just Brian. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Point. Go ahead. It, it just seems to me that uh, you know there's a pox in everybody's house, but uh, yeah. to to simply say this is on Israel, the what's going on in in Gaza is on Israel is is just I don't think a, a fair reflection of. The, the geopolitics of that region. The Jordanians don't want to really be part of the solution for the Palestinians. The Egyptians don't want to be part of the right. Palestinian solution. They certainly don't want to be part of the help the Gazans, the the innocent Gazans flee the war zone by opening the gate. Uh, that that would make it much safer. Um, but yet Israel bears the you know the the bulk of it. And sure, I think everyone would like to see the end of innocent people suffering well uh, my you, but it's you not simple up, for me you, no it's not and but you bring up a a point and i'll uh, and john i want your take on this i mean you and i both know a fellow by the name of trey yingst who uh was in the white house at the beginning of the trump administration is now a, a middle east war correspondent for fox and he tweeted out something there in this situation there is no room for the fog of war Yet you and I both know that, and even the president has said, and the, this administration and many others, and to your point, Michael, we don't know what's going on. We can't trust the news or the information coming out of the region. There are people that are, now there were people posting on social media that, you know, from the Palestinians, I, I wish I had kissed my loved one. This was the last time I saw him. They were killed indiscriminately. I, I I think there's criticism to be had on both sides, and I want to dance around. I, I don't, I don't want to dance around this, but I, I don't want people to misunderstand what it is that I'm saying, and that is, you know, yes, Hamas was wrong. Yes, there are innocent people dying, and the Palestinians have to be considered. Sure, Israel has a right to defend itself, but the criticism of Israel is, 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 are they beating people over the head? Is there a better way for them to do it? And I'm not a, a, a politician. I don't understand geopolitics. Uh, 
I, I don't think anybody in that region does, but I think that, and I don't think anybody in the world does because I think there's a nuance there that's missing because the facts are missing. We know there are people dead on both sides. We know that uh, Israel has the upper hand as far as, as uh, the IDF is far more powerful than Hamas and Hamas takes advantage of that by basically um, holding the innocent civilians of Palestine hostage and I don't think there's anybody that'll disagree that um, Palestinians have little uh, help anywhere in the world, basically because they don't have a lot of, I mean, they have no oil, they have they have nothing that they want that can be sold. They are basically the downtrodden. I don't find, if you can't find sympathy with the Palestinians, the innocent Palestinians, I find it almost impossible to have, you know, uh, related sympathy with you, but that's not saying that that uh, Israel is wrong to defend itself. Help me out, John. I'll go on endless. <laughs> well, but it's the fog know, of I, war, right? It's that that it, it, yeah. there's a lot of disinformation. Is my point? Sure. That that is the nature of war. That and and I I agree with what Michael said about you know I don't know either what's going on inside Gaza or Israel. Um, so preface it with that. You know, this is a centuries old problem that has never been fully solved. And uh, yeah, what Hamas did was obviously brutal and, you know, unforgivable. And every other negative description that any of us could come up with probably doesn't yeah. even doesn't do the the brutality justice. Yeah, the president so, said pure evil. I agree with that. Pure yeah, evil. it was. It was pure evil. Some of the things that we've heard and, and seen and our our friend Trey uh, has has posted some videos uh, when the IDF has taken reporters into some of these um, the kibbutzes and you know the homes and and other other places where the Hamas um, I don't even want to call them troops terrorists went in and and slaughtered innocent Israelis and you know the very powerful pictures and images from Trey I'm really proud of him he's doing a great job over there. He's and a great guy. Just hope he stays safe. Yeah, great guy. Um, so, but one thing that that I do think is fair for the rest of the 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 world, especially the West, the U.S., France, uh, the Brits, uh, the others who have influence for various reasons over the Israelis. Um, at what point? At what point is their response? And it's hard to say, but I don't have a definition of what is proportional for something like this. You know, that's um, not to brag. I do have a the advanced degree in in security studies, and you know that's what our our instructors and professors and guest speakers and all the literature that we read. You know, you want your response to be proportional and not over the line for all number of reasons, but. You know, I don't have a definition of what's proportional for for what Hamas did, and and I think that is adding to the fog of this war. No one knows what is proportional here. Uh, is there? But I I think it's it's fair and a, and a healthy role for Joe Biden and Emmanuel Macron and and others to play, um, to ask the Israelis, okay, you could blow up that, you could you could you could you could launch a cruise missile or or fighter strikes on that high rise. And we know that there are 50 to 110 civilians inside. And, and I know you want to get those two bad guys. We want to get them too. Is there another way to do that? 
Yeah. Instead of taking down the whole building, I think that I think that is a healthy role for the U.S. to play. And I think, frankly, I think the Israelis need that. I think they're understandably upset. I'm upset about. I would be pissed. Everyone is. (laughs) But I do think there are eight thousand. There are eight thousand. Well, I don't know. These are these are Gaza health ministry numbers, and that's basically run by Hamas. But their number is eight thousand and five people dead inside Gaza as of this morning. At what point is it is it not proportional? But again, I understand, like you said, Bronick, you both said Israel has a right to defend itself, and any country would, as Michael said. But you know, as that number approaches in another month, as that number approaches twenty thousand, even if we don't, even if we have reasons to suspect it's inflated, if twenty thousand means fourteen thousand, still, like, you know, at what point here, you know. I, I don't want to say what's uh, enough's enough, but is there another way? If you can get those special forces in there, and and you're not taking down high rises, um, but I understand, you know, he has a responsibility to to keep his troops as safe as they can when when they do get further and further inside Gaza. Well, this is a puzzle that might not. It's just it doesn't seem solvable. Um, there you but go. again, like Michael said, I mean, this is this Hamas did this. Hamas Let me, did it's this. not, but it's not, it's not militarily. Um, it's not a military solution alone. There no. has to be a political right. solution. We talked last week uh, about should the Macrons and Bidens of the world be convening a, a Camp David styled um, global yes yeah, conversation yeah. about. The, the the political solution here because the Palestinians have a right to their own state. Uh, yeah. What that state, what the geography of that state looks like is complicated with Gaza being separated from the, the West Bank. Is Israel going to give up territory so that they have a continuous lane of transportation in between it? But who are the who is the political party that will run this state? Is it Mahmoud Abbas? Does he have is is he capable of running a polit of a state? Is he a, you know is he a nation state leader? What role will Hamas, if any, have in in this new state? What who is it that the world can look to to govern um, this state? That's an important question. You know, Israel has said for a long time we have no peace partner. I don't necessarily believe that. I think that. Arafat could have been a police partner. I think Abbas can be a police a peace peace partner partner. Um, but that's got to be sorted out because otherwise, you know, Hamas will continue to be the terrorist force that it is, and you can you know win today's war, um, and you can be like Afghanistan. Look, what we invaded Afghanistan a decade or so ago um, to rid it of Taliban and and the influences. Uh, there that gave safe haven to Al Qaeda and stuff, and now ten years later they're in charge. Yeah. Again, let, let to, what, me, to what end? So well, I think the questions that have to be asked of Netanyahu, who shouldn't be the prime minister after the security failure on his should watch, not be. You're saying should not be. be. Yeah. Should not be. Um, the 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 question uh, for Netanyahu is, you know, what what's this? What's your end end game? Not this short-term, blow up bunkers and and try to take out the leadership of Hamas. But what's your end game? Because the reality is, is that probably 
um, this bombing campaign is radicalizing a whole next generation of yes. Hamas leaders. You know, if the Hamas leaders are in their in their twenties, um, or the know, young kids who are living there suffering, that yeah, the twelve year olds will twelve year old year olds become the the twenty year olds, and then you've got a new generation of. Um, when I was to when I was a narcotics prosecutor, one of the reasons we started switching from prosecuting uh, following the money and prosecuting the money launderers as opposed to the drug traffickers was that there was an endless number of drug traffickers. They'll never. Yes. Someone filled the gap. And, and so always someone was willing because the people who were mules, especially come from very uh, tough economic circumstances. So they're willing to take the chance. Um, and there was an unending supply of them. So going after the, the 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 drug mules was senseless. It made no sense. There was always going to be another one. Um, so you had to go after the financiers because money drugs were replaceable. There's too much. There's too much drugs as it is. Um, but money was the lifeblood of the organization. So we went up when it went after the money launderers. So similarly here, you know, the, there's a. a an unending pool of people who can fill the next generation of Hamas um, fight, fighters. So right. you have to figure out what's the political solution. And, I, and I'm not about oh, to my... tell Israel what's in its best interest. I have no idea what the hell is going on in that part of the world. Uh, people who sit on the TV and pontificate about Israel should do this and Israel should do that. I think my experience in watching them is they don't know anything about what the reality on the ground is for Israel than all of us who have confessed complete ignorance. And probably we should move on to the next segment of the show before well, I'm people add, stop I'm listening gonna... because of they say, like, I'm talking, I'm talking to three people who have said they don't know anything about anything. They keep, <laughs> they keep well, droning on. I'm gonna before we hit before we hit break, we gotta go to a break here real quick. But I just want a simple answer to this question. It is short and concise as both of you can make it. Here's here's the question. Uh, Biden has been given grief for his um, apparent, according to some of the criticism, that he has not shown enough compassion for the innocent Palestinians. Do you believe that that criticism is accurate, John? Well, I think I, I just think there's so much blame to go around here. And um... do you, but do you think it's correct to criticize him for it? criticize Netanyahu the president oh he has said now mind you he has said uh he he has sympathy for the uh for the innocence he believes in a two-state solution but he has not a, a done enough to emphasize that according to his critics real simple question yes or no do you think he believe that he deserves that criticism where what happened to empathy joe yeah well <laughs> why doesn't it apply to the gazans how's that okay. for concise there you go how about you, Michael? I, I believe that Biden has been pretty clear that um, he thinks the suffering of innocence in in Gaza and and elsewhere is 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 bad, and and he would like to see uh, an end to it. And I think that he worked hard when he went to Israel to try to talk Netanyahu into being more restrained. But Israel will determine what's in Israel's best interest, whether we agree to it or not. I mean, there's a half a million you know, Palestinian refugee types in um, London protesting. So that's not, you know, 
that's yeah. true in France too. There's you know an expatriate expatriate Palestinian community um, all over the place because all the countries that surround Palestine um, haven't wanted them in their countries. Right. Um, so I, I think that Biden has been pretty clear um, uh, about it, and we'll see as this phase two of the a war in against Hamas proceeds, what Biden will say if we see, you know, pictures of escalating innocent um, uh, damage. I mean, he, I think well, he's been pretty, I think he's been pretty clear. He's not going to, he's not going to satisfy everybody. Um, no. And <laughs> all right, we're going to go to break with that. I'll say it this way. I think once again, he could underline his support for uh, the innocent Palestinians. I feel this is a failure of communication on the staff to make it to underline that. Other than that, Empathy Joe, I think, is there, and I do believe he does care. But I think it's a communication problem that the White House suffers from time to time, and it comes to raise its hoary little head whenever uh, issues of import. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll just add one more thing, if I could, Brian. Uh, to your point, um, the Biden team has at times just been all over the map communicating about this very part. Yeah, horrible. Um, and there's no consistency. They contradict each other. Um, and it's just, I, I mean, it just, it adds to, like I said, this unsolvable perhaps problem. And with that, we'll take a short break. We'll come back with more fun news, mass shootings. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Question's newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I'm your host, Brian Karen, with our weekly uh, update of the news of the day, uh, Just Ask the Press. And in our latest episode, our latest issue to tackle is there have been, um, well, let me put it this way. It took a hurricane, a Category 5 hurricane, to kill 40 people in Acapulco. And we managed to do that in a several mass shootings in, in just the last few days in the United States. I guess you could say that the property damage was less in the U.S., but the it merely took three or four uh, mass shootings to amass that same death record in the U.S., starting with one in Maine, then the latest one, which, what, took 18 or so lives. There was one in Tampa overnight that took uh, a few lives. There are many injured and then I was again on, on Capitol Hill this week, and both the House and the Senate, Democrat and Republican, say the same things and do absolutely fucking, sorry for that, nothing. And it's been that way for a long, long time. In fact, I was in an event uh, Thursday night as this was unfolding in Maine where people were cheering 
you know, the acquisition of many guns, not just a gun, but many guns, as it was pointed out that this uh, reservist in Maine had um, mental health issues. And once again, <laughs> uh, Michael, I'll let you lead off. But of he it. bought a gun lawfully. I mean, that's the yes. thing. That's, that's the thing that that stood out to me most. Here's a guy with, you know, red most flames. Of them are, Michael, most of them are bought lawfully. No, most I understand. But, that, that, but this is the point. Here's a guy with, quote unquote, a publicly known history of um, mental illness who, under the laws of Maine and uh, the United States, can buy a gun. I mean, it, what's wrong with that picture? It just strikes me. And, and the congressman from Maine, who finally, when the killings were on his doorstep, said, you know, I think I'm going to change my vote and vote for gun control now. I mean, really? Really? Yeah. After all of these mass shootings all over the country for the last decade, now, all of a sudden, you realize that, well, maybe it's time for gun control. Oh, please embarrassing i'm glad that he's changing his vote but he should be embarrassed he said he was embarrassed but for god's sakes if we can't change these laws with this false notion that the second amendment does not allow for the reasonable regulation of 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 guns is idiocy it's just idiocy. it doesn't impair your right to bear arms it just imposes conditions for the acquisition you have a right to drive a car theoretically, but you're not going to drive his license. It's just, it's mind numbing. Well, it was Warren Berger, I believe, who or, or Earl Warren, maybe it was both, who said that, you know. Maybe it was Earl said, Berger. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was Hamburger. He said that, that uh, you know, the Second Amendment doesn't say what they think it says. I'll read it. It says, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. To me, that sounds like we're talking about the National Guard, but it and not individuals. And yet, for two, and this is an argument that's gone on for two hundred years, I suppose. But you know, weapons now are. It'd be different if they were walking around with a musket, but you know, which you have to tamp in and and shoot and then you know reload, and it takes a, a minute. Whereas you know, you got an AK or an AR-15 or something with bump stocks that can fire multiple rounds in a minute. That's that's completely freaking different. And yet we do not. Why? All right. This is for you, John, as succinctly as you can put it. Why the hell don't we do anything about it on Capitol Hill when 70 percent of the people polled say they want something done? Uh, a number of reasons, uh, you know, the gun lobby, the NRA and others are very powerful, especially within um Republican circles, but also uh, there are still uh, purple districts that are right now uh, represented by, uh, especially in the House, uh, by Democrats and, and you know, hunting and Second Amendment is important there, too. Uh, so it's not just Republicans. Democrats are also some Democrats um, feel pressure from the gun lobby. It's also this this idea of uh, purity on a number of issues and the Second Amendment is in God, the top, probably the top two, if not the top three of those issues. Um, and you have to be pure. You can't, there's no, there's no nuance there. It's the Second Amendment. It, there's, uh, aside from 
bump stocks and automatic weapons. And I'm sure that if you poll House Republicans with a little truth serum, uh, you could probably get into the 70s on, you know, wanting automatic weapons to be legal. Um, but we don't have any truth serum and I'm not a pollster, so we're not going <laughs> to do that. Um, yeah, they, the, but the Second Amendment purists, it, you know, they, 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 they worship the amendment. They got to be pure on it, but it's as if two words in the Second Amendment don't even exist, and that's right. well-regulated, well-regulated militia, well-regulated. They, they kind of just breeze past that part, and, and it's all like it shouldn't be regulated at all. Um, gun sales, I'll add in Maine, uh, went way up after this shooting because of a fear and they always do in these in wherever this state is <clears throat> excuse me out of a fear that you know democrats are gonna come take my guns so i Which better they've never done right they've <laughs> never done um so you know narrator voice would say right now if this was arrested development these laws aren't going to change yeah all right and i'll just one thing about it, you were joking in our little our brief break between segments about the news and and how uplifting it is i was watching one of the cable networks thursday or friday and they went from they went from a reporter in israel with the the rocket sirens going off and you could see explosions in the background through it to a reporter in Maine waiting on a law enforcement to give an update on the shooting there and what was still a manhunt for the shooter. And then that reporter threw it to the studio who threw it to Mexico to update everyone on the death toll from the hurricane there. So, I mean, this is relentless anymore. It's every day. The news cycle is it's just more and more depressing. And it's just... Well. To your point, two, here's two things that depressed the hell out of me. <laughs> All of that news came through, and then Marjorie Taylor Greene says, there's devastation in Mexico. Why hasn't it been reported? And I asked her, well, how did you find out about it if it wasn't reported, you dumbass? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then secondly... Uh, you know, all of this stuff is going on in the Middle East, and you have Donald Trump coming out wanting to reimpose the the the, uh, the uh, Muslim ban. So it just it the nonsense is unending, and I don't even know where to go with it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I guess we'll go with segueing into the Donald Trump problem. Uh, right, can I just say one thing as your yeah. so-called legal analyst, and I emphasize so-called. So um, <laughs> on the second amendment on the second amendment question you said that it's an uh, a right that's been sort of sacred but the reality is of course that probably this was intended as a militia forming organization right. but the supreme court has opined on it in heller and mcdonald and some other cases which said that there is a a limited right to bear arms. But what's important to remember about the landmark case of um, District of Columbia versus Heller, which was a, a this guy, Dick Heller, sues DC over its handgun ban at home, an outright ban. And the court ruled that individ individuals have a right to keep handguns at home for self-protection. But Justice uh, Scalia, the late Justice Scalia, the, the champion of conservatism and originalism 
who wrote the decision, um, Scalia says, and I'll quote his language, he says, like most rights, the right secured by the Second Amendment is not unlimited. It is yes. not a right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever in any manner whatsoever and for whatever purpose. And he provided examples that would be um, presump laws that would be presumptively lawful, presumptively lawful, which prohibit the firearm in the possession of dangerous um, people, which forbid firearm possession in certain sensitive places, schools and government buildings, which would impose conditions on the commercial sale of firearms. He said all of those things would be constitutional because the Second Amendment right, like all other rights secured by the Constitution, are not unlimited and not for whatever purpose, in whatever manner, in whatever way any individual sees fit. So there is a ton of room for states and federal government to pass legislation um, consistent with the Second Amendment if there is a political will. And it seems that there is always hand-wringing and prayers and may your memory be a blessing sort of stuff after a shooting. Yeah, and then they, then, and they default, then they default right away to, yes, but don't ask me to vote against my personal political interests um, by imposing handgun restrictions because that would be bad for me. Yeah, because I'll get uh, I'll, I won't get the NRA uh, money that I wanted. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. That's the that, I mean. So legally, it, legal, it's there. Justice Scalia has said it. What was know, the opinion? Clearly, the decision is in District of Columbia versus Heller. That was the big landmark case. And then there was another one called McDonald versus City of Chicago. Those are the big you know those are the big Supreme Court cases on on Second Amendment, which says you can't have blanket. Um, prohibitions, but you can make reasonable um, limitations on well, means to, of to John's acquisition. Well-regulated is right there in the Constitution. <laughs> so, and we don't regulate. Anyway, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get right into Donald Trump. Oh, boy. Stick around. More fun as we when we return. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, with our weekly roundup, Just Ask the Press. And uh, so in the weekly news roundup, a lot of, you know, Donald Trump is way down. I know this has probably got him all upset, but, you know, he's just not the top news anymore. Uh, but he was sanctioned 10K, $10,000 for shooting his mouth off when he shouldn't have. Uh, Jack Smith wants to reinstitute the gag order. Donald Trump may lose in Colorado, and he's putting out all kinds of uh, uh, feelers to his uh, friends and, and uh, I guess, his supporters asking for more money to fight that. 
And in New York, Michael Cohen testified against him, which caused Donald Trump to run off in a huff. Look, right now, Donald Trump is facing losing a shitload of money in in New York. It's not up for grabs as to whether or not he's been fined liable for fraud. There's a summary judgment there. The arguments in New York are simply over how much money he's going to have to give the state of New York. He could lose all of his holdings there. He could be off the ballot this uh, in, in Colorado if this case goes forward, which could lead to other cases against him. And then meanwhile, he's still facing 91 felony charges. That's the that's the topper. Michael, I'm going to let you unload all of this. Well, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there always is with damn Donnie. <laughs> so there there is the Letitia James New York uh, civil. civil lawsuit. Last week, the headlines was. Uh, Michael Cohen to testify, and then he testified, I think, over a two-day period. The first day went, the direct examination sort of went in pretty smoothly. Um, the cross-examination was anything but smooth, with Cohen taking the bait from Trump's lawyers and arguing with with her, and she'd ask a question, and he'd say, that was asked and answered. And that's a ruling from a judge, not from a person on the witness stand. So the the lawyers um, had their hands full with with Cohen. Trump was none too pleased. And as you said, he lashed out and got a $10,000 fine, which the people who buy his MAGA hats will um, pay uh, for support. But. What was really interesting was that the people who were almost the most important people in the courtroom were the people who have to bring the next case where Cohen is going to be the key witness, which is uh, the Stormy Daniels hush money case. And as they sit there watching Cohen as witness. Now, in this case, he's a little bit more peripheral. He's relevant to the insurance fraud stuff. He's, he's important to show what Trump knew and his state of mind, less so for the main part of the case, which has been resolved by summary judgment. But in the hush money case, he is one of, he and um, the guy from uh, media, what's um, <clears throat> Decker, Necker, whatever, yeah. Becker, Pecker. Pecker, Pecker. I knew it was one of David, those. It's like, David Pecker. <laughs> David Pecker is probably the more important witness. But but thank Cohen God his first name isn't Richard. We'd be making all yeah. kinds of bad jokes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just going to let that let that be. But um, but Pecker is probably the more important uh, witness in that case. But Cohen is a critical witness in that case. And so if you're the the lawyers uh, who have to put him on the stand, and if you're the lawyers who get to cross him, and all of whom were in the courtroom. Yeah. They were all watching. All of them came in, uh, two of Trump's lawyers and one of the uh, lead counsel uh, for Bragg's office. I think her name is Hoffinger. Um, they had to be scratching their heads like, what have I got here? But the bottom line is um, the case is proceeding. Uh, Cohen is off the witness stand, but of course, back on TV predicting stuff. I just don't get it. Uh, it's like he's got an irresistible impulse to be, you know, on on TV. Uh, but surprised that Lanny Davis has him out so prominently. But yeah, 
to the shorter answer to your question is Trump has a hissy fit, gets uh, gets fined um, uh, $10,000. Meanwhile, um, the case seems to be proceeding um, according to, to plan and will likely result, will result in a verdict against Trump. And uh, we'll see what the amount of damages um, Do you will think be. That, that they'll just grant, I mean, what, what's your thoughts there? How would, I know that you've, the judge issues a ruling, Brian. It's a judge trial. Yeah. And the judge is hearing all the evidence, and he's going to say on the main count, that which he already gave a directed verdict on, that um, because I because he found liability uh, for a, a pattern of fraudulent behavior, he's just going to set the amount of damages. Then there's insurance and other fraud counts that haven't been resolved by directed verdict that He's got to decide whether the evidence supports a can. Uh, uh, I was going to say conviction, but it's a civil case. A uh, judgment in favor of um, uh, Ms. James's office, and if so, what amount of money is um, or what the sanction is for that. So that's what's going on here. You know, the other thing about Cohen, as you as you watch the case, and you think, well, you know, this is a judge trial, so the judge, you know, is wise to the antics of. Uh, defense counsel. So did you lie then or did you lie now? You know, that yeah. sort of question. And he admitted where he lied, which is sort of, you know, unfortunate, but that's who he, who he is. Yeah. But in a jury trial setting, those sort of displays sometimes are, are, are more sellable to a juror who can say, like, I just find Michael Cohen to be uh, a bald-faced liar. And I'm not going to believe anything he says about anything. And then he's just sort of wiped off the the. Uh, now, what about Colorado? But I mean, that's completely. So that's that. So Colorado, in Colorado, the case is proceeding. Um, uh, Jane Raskin, who was um, Donald Trump's lead uh, lawyer in the Mueller investigation, I think, is leading the um, case there in, in in Colorado, and she's a brilliant lawyer. And I have to say, for transparency purposes, a lifelong friend of mine and my wife and her husband, Marty. Um, but the, the what's at play there is the 14th Amendment, third section of the 14th Amendment said anyone who engages in an insurrection shall not be allowed to be part of the, the government. That was directed at the um, Confederates, those who left the Union. Uh, they were not allowed back in. Uh, they couldn't hold office again, unless they did certain conditions. But the, the, the regulation was passed um, for that purpose. And now what they're saying is that um, Trump did the same thing. He engaged in an act of insurrection or supported an insurrection, and therefore he should not be allowed to hold office pursuant to the 14th Amendment. And that's what's being litigated. What does it mean, is the question before the court, what does it mean to engage in or support insurrection? And it's you, not defined. If you're convicted of it, that's easy. If you're a Confederate um, who swore an allegiance to another uh, country that was at war with your with the Union, that's pretty easy. But if you were a cheerleader to the mob of January 6th, is that insurrection as the Constitution he wasn't intended just it? A cheerleader. That's... No, I understand that. Even if you were, even if you were um, the the ring leader yeah. of it, if you if you've not been convicted of it, 
what standard shall you apply to determine whether you supported an, an insurrection? Has anyone been convicted? No. I guess a couple of people have been into, in, convicted of, of seditious sedition. conspiracy, but I'm not sure that, that those people who convicted of suspicious con, seditious conspiracy can be tied back directly to, to Trump. Can. And so who, who, how do they tie it back? These are the questions that the court has to answer. How do they tie that back to Trump? What standard do you apply? And Alan Dershowitz, I know he's not liked by many liberals these days, but I still like him. And um, Alan Dershowitz always has this rule, which he says is the shoe on the other foot rule, yeah. which is if it applies to your opponents, would you apply it equally to your friends? So would you say... Um, if this was Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, whoever else might, Bill Clinton, whoever might be your Democratic friend, that they should be convicted, prohibited from running for office under the same circumstances. So you can't make Absolutely. a law. Blind justice is blind justice. The, the, the scales of justice person wears a, uh, a blindfold specifically so that they don't know who they're passing judgment on. Why, my big problem with a lot of the legal analysts on TV these days, especially the MSNBC, um, nighttime ones, is they seem to be making up decisions based on who it is that is the um, victim of their analysis, as opposed to it being, you know, sort of a, a legal standard they would apply to, to everybody. Across the board. Yeah. John, that, my question to you is... <laughs> All of this. I mean, all right, so Smith wants the gag order reinstituted. Trump was sanctioned 10K. He could be off the, the ballot maybe in Colorado. He's losing, you know, Michael Cohen stomped all over him. He, he's facing losing money elsewhere. None of this is, all right, I say this with this predicate. 28%, according to recent polls, are strong, you know, MAGA Republicans. 28% of registered Republicans, which are 28% of the registered voters. But still, that base is still there, isn't it? Rock solid. He's not losing ground. Um, isn't this amazing? If this was any other person. Yeah, talk about your Dershowitz other foot. If it was any other American politician, they would no longer be a politician. They would they'd be, just be cratering in the polls. They'd be at 3%, wouldn't be able to raise a cent. And yet, Mr. Trump, yet again, as he has his entire adult life, gets by and, and seems to, in some ways, get stronger. Um, but we don't know. The question will ultimately become, uh, you know, 82-year-old Joe Biden at the time, or almost 82, he'll be, he'll be yeah. 81 uh, next month, and then almost 82 on Election Day, Um you know, Joe Biden, 82, almost 82 versus, I guess, almost what, 78 year old Trump with all his political baggage versus Biden, who will have, you know, we've talked about his first term so far here um, since we started doing this. And that's what the question ultimately will become is is Trump or Biden. And and Trump's baggage will be a part of that metric as voters decide what to do. Um, but right now, incredibly, it doesn't appear to be hurting Trump. And it's just remarkable. In fact, and this is our next bit, and I'll let you unpack that. 
uh, Mike Pence, his VP, has already suspended his campaign. And he's out. <laughs> and he's gone. And, <laughs> and, the, and the fact is, as you pointed out last night, I and by the way, I did laugh for about five minutes after you texted me this. You know, there are people who didn't even know he was in the race. <laughs> <laughs> There, yes, I had a, a good friend of mine who um, lives in Michigan and uh, follows politics, former reporter, follows politics closely and announced to, um, I guess they had a, a gathering of, of of kids and parents for Halloween, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners did. And uh, he announced to uh, their friends that Mr. Pence, former vice president, Pence, had dropped out of the primary. And um, some people in the room, most people in the room did not even know he was running for president. So, um, as I said, um, sometimes you do feel like you write something or, or you do a podcast or a radio hit and you wonder, did anybody read or listen? And boy, that's not uplifting either. That's not very motivating, is it? Um but anyway, that just shows that, you know, folks are out there living their lives, man. They're they're buying Halloween candy and, and dressing the kids up. And and here we are following all this uplifting, uplifting news, every twist, turn and syllable. And, and nobody else. Is. Right. That's, nobody that's, else. Right. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> so you you have to wonder, do they even know that Biden has a challenger now? You want to? Talk about that a little bit. Yes. Uh, Dean Phillips uh, ended months of the worst kept secret in Washington <laughs> that he was going to run for president. He is running for president. He has a he has a bus and everything that has a wrap on it that has his name on it. He's running for president. And I will say that this is going to be a huge, huge challenge. Um, you know, Biden has been raising money at a pretty impressive clip he's got a lot of cash in the bank yeah. democrats are doing okay on the money side um that's another thing about trump that's remarkable is is he's able to still raise so much money uh this is going to be a very expensive election of course he's using some of that for his legal defense as michael alluded to um but you know the fact that he it was sorry to go back to trump but everything goes back to trump um <laughs> you know it's it's if any other politician was had to spend as much donor money, regular people money, $25, $50 internet contributions on their legal fees, they would be cooked politically, but um, in some ways it makes them stronger. Um, but back to Mr. Phillips, you know, I don't know, you know, he's, he's going to run, I think a more in some ways, I don't, I don't know how he runs a different campaign than Biden to break through. Um, I, I just don't know how he's going to appeal. Well, I don't know. Who, I don't know who his target audience is so far. Uh, people who believe that a 54 year old Bradley Cooper lookalike is uh, a better candidate for president than the 81 year old current, uh, president. And I don't know that he has, I, I mean, all right, Michael, did you know he was around? Did you know who Dean Phillips was before he announced Household name in my house. Yeah. <laughs> you, all, you all talk about Dean around the campfire, do you? Well, but I, I thought it was Dizzy Dean. I, I got completely confused. I, I'm sorry. You know, with the World Series and stuff, I, you know, I think first to baseball and they said Dean's running for president. I thought Dizzy or John, who? <laughs> 
when I heard Dean, I immediately went to Martin. So, I mean, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. 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 I don't know so, that he's a hope in hell. So the interesting thing about Phillips's run is that he's entering in New Hampshire and not South Carolina, but New Hampshire. And and I think Biden, am I wrong that Biden will not be on the ballot? He won't be New on the ballot, yes. In New Hampshire. Correct. So that means that this guy is running in the Democratic primary, unopposed. essentially uncontested. Well, un what's her name? The other, uh, the crazy lady who's also... Yeah, no, but but un, 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 unopposed by a mainstream um, politician. And so <clears throat> a victory there for him will be, you know, written off as it's always easier to win a game against uh, a non-opponent than when Mary another Wilson. team takes than another team takes the field. But and and Phillips has voted with Biden, you know, the vast majority of um, the time in office. So I'm not sure as a policy matter where he can, you know, sort of find um, separation. So really, he's saying he's too old. That's and, it. And but but that's a terrible message, it seems to me, for the Democrats. If if this guy's got any viability, if he gets out of New Hampshire or even in New Hampshire, if he's hammering Biden hard on he's too old and that gets baked in further. I know that's what the Republicans are trying to do is they're baking in and the media is going uh, right along with it. Um, yeah. The he's too old mantra. And look, you know, you had you mentioned his name earlier, Earl Warren on the Supreme Court. He was completely capable in in, in his later life. And 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 so are many others. 80 is not 100. And there are young 80s and old 80s. And you can be a frail but sharp of mind um, 80 or look at look at Stephen Hawkins, the the the, the brilliant um physicist who was you know had als and yeah. couldn't move anything but like an eyebrow no one would say he didn't have the intellect to continue to be a physicist because his body broke down so you know i just don't buy it and i think we buy into this notion i think the media has been terrible about about this um and if this uh campaign of phillips you know sort of can further bake it in you know in media if you can brand somebody uh that you know someone is uh, al gore was an exaggerator they or a, a liar they they remember they tried it and, and john kerry was not really a swift boat hero you know all the if you can bake in like a product a, a, an image it's almost impossible to get out of that um and so if this guy phillips is going to Bake in the notion that Biden is too old and Biden doesn't himself agree and step away from his candidacy, which there's no indication that he will, then I think Phillips is, is going to be helpful to um, Republican causes. And that, to me, when you have no realistic chance of winning is, uh, well, then why are we doing this again? What's the right. point here? Well, it seems to be all about age and hedging his bets that something will happen to the president and he'll step in and fill the vacuum. But yeah, but if something happens to the president, 
There's Gavin uh, Newsom and there's Kamala Harris before him. He's not people, uh, you know, the Mrs. Robbins, the nation turns its lonely eyes to you. to you. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> you know, he's not he's not Joe DiMaggio. People are not going to be turning their lonely eyes to Dean Phillips. Should there be, you know, a, a, a need to find a new candidate in place of Biden because of of, of something? I think if Bradley uh, so Cooper I, falls down and they need someone to fill his role, that would be Dean Phillips. But that's... yeah, well, I would I would take that role before I took the president role. But the point <laughs> is, is that I don't understand the point. I, I don't understand the point, and especially if you think that the election is in twenty twenty four is really again an election about democracy. If that's what that's what, and I fundamentally think it is. Um, it is, and then. Who are you, Dean Phillips, who agrees with Biden 90% of the time? Who are you to undermine the chances of electability, especially when now with Biden's stand on Israel, it brings into question Michigan uh, for the first time because of the large Arab community in, in Michigan. Does that, do those people, if they sit out um, the election or decide not to vote for Biden and vote for somebody else, does that tilt Michigan um, out of the Democratic campaign. There's no margin of error in 2024. Um, And so, you know, if I were um, in a room with Dean Phillips, I would say to him, you know, essentially, to what end? What 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 is this? What is this really? What do you stand for to what? How does this promote that? And I, I don't I don't know that there is an answer to it. And I hope I hope he's asked those hard questions um, by the media and that they don't um, just harp on, well, he's running because he's 54 and Biden is 80. And, you know, there is this, you know, feed into the narrative of Biden is too old rather than say, what are you what on what issues are you running? What is the found what is the foundation of your campaign substantively and specifically when you have no realistic chance of winning and you have the opportunity to be damaging to a candidate who you agree with most of the time, why are you doing this? I hope that's what they do rather than, than do the compare and contrast on age. But I have no confidence that the media will do that. They'll harp right on the age thing, just like they jump on every. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me ask John about that. John, I'll give you the you think that we'll jump in and ask that. <laughs> Michael doesn't think so. But do you? I think I think Mr. Phillips uh, will be asked to what end. I, I think he should be asked, you know, if you are not successful, if you don't win the nomination, are you are you going to endorse President Biden? And and think about that moment where, you know, however long he can afford to stay in the race and, and there will be pressure for him to drop out at some point, I strongly believe, you know, what does that look like when he then endorses Biden? How does that work? So I, I'm like I'm like Michael. Like, what's the point here? Where are you going with this? Um, Remember the Carter. Just... That that's a good question because in 1980 that is exactly what helped sink Carter because he had yeah. uh, Kennedy who fought him and and Carter said, "Look, if Kennedy gets in a race, I'll whip his ass," and he did. But then Kennedy turned around and endorsed Carter, and it didn't help him. Yeah, I, I just don't know what that looks like. I, I think it 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 will not it will not be Mr. Phillips. Uh, you know, brightest moment when that happens, and and I assume it's coming. 
Um, but I will say this about President Biden's age. I think it is a fair thing for us uh, to focus on as the media. You know, he does have moments where he doesn't make a lot of sense. He, you know, he rambles on kind of like I am right now. Um, and, <laughs> you know, the end of the week, especially the, that the GERD uh, acts up. We know he has he has that you know, very minor medical condition, but it can make him seem um, every day of 81. And and so I do think it it is an issue. But to Michael's point, uh, so what, I guess, is is kind of the, the question that voters will have to 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 wrestle with um, once they start paying attention. Hopefully they will. See, well, and, yeah, we've got people yeah. who didn't even know Pence was in the race. Once they start paying attention. You know, so what if on a busy week, if if Biden, you know, gives remarks in the Roosevelt Room about the economy, the latest jobs report, and he's been busy and, you know, they've 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 woken him up at 2 a.m. twice in that week. And he's been on the road and down to the sit room at three in the morning and and he's tired and he's 82. And, you know, he sounds after a busy week like he's tired and 82 and has the most stressful job in the world. But but. You know, if if he can keep the lid on the Middle East to the extent that anyone could right now, and if the economy continues to be it's we, this weird kind of strong that it is, so what if he sounds tired on Friday morning when he gives remarks? As long as the outcomes um, that his administration is pursuing are solid, and you know he's not he's not you know rambling on and on about nuclear war or something. Then you know maybe maybe voters decide that okay he's old but he's still getting the job done and and we don't know how voters really feel about that right now because again people just aren't paying attention they're living their lives uh, they're sick of politics and you know they'll check in sometime this time next year hopefully before so they can can get a good sense of all this but I'm just grappling with how much and I read polls and write about polls in my newsletter a couple times a week. And I'm yeah. starting to ask myself that question. How much does any of this matter right now? Right. Except, John, I think you make a, 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 an interesting point here, which is, and my beef with the media, is that the media will write a sentence that says, Joe Biden is 80 years old. This is the media. Joe Biden is 80 years old, period. Instead of Joe Biden is 80 years old, comma, yet he seems still to be getting all of these things done. That's true. Period. That's true. And yeah. you That's never true. get that clause um, that yet he seems to be getting all these things done. You know, sort of question like mine yeah. about Stephen Hawkins, notwithstanding a broken body, the guy is still the leading um, uh, world's physicist. So why do we keep asking? Why do we keep asking? Why does the media keep asking or harping on the age without it? But there is no indication that he his age has impaired his ability to be president. Yeah, I think that's all. You fair. might say, yeah. well, he makes it. He may, Gerald Ford slips down the steps of Air Force One, and that's that's somehow a big a big story. Um, or George Bush, Herbert Walker Bush, I think it was Herbert Walker throws up. That's a big story. Yeah. It, it's it's just yes, too in Japan. easy. It's we too also, easy. Yeah, we also don't. Um, we, we also don't, don't point thought. out enough. 
Yeah, I, I think we also don't point out enough that Trump is as old as he is. He's yes. only two years younger than he, President it, Biden. It, and it, and, and he's in worse rep- shape. He's and in he, worse yes. physical yeah. shape. You look at yes. the guy, he's obese. He's in worse physical and mental right. shape. And I mean, I've been close to both of them. And I can tell you that's not up for grabs. Look, I, I'm going to draw that one to a close because before we finish <laughs> and we've been going on, I do want to get one thing in because the biggest news of the week for me as, as a music fan has absolutely nothing to do with politics. And it's something called Now and Then. And that was uh, one when one of the last times that uh, John Lennon ever saw Paul McCartney he says, hey, my friend, think of me now and then. And he uh, recorded a song with the title Now and Then. And the Beatles have been, well, Paul and Ringo were the only two left, have been struggling with trying to put this together as a single. It's not going to be AI influence. It's going to be cleaned up. It was a piece of uh, music that John had recorded. George had recorded his parts on it. Um when they did free as a bird several years back. So George, Paul, George, I mean, George, Paul, John, and Ringo are all on this recording and it's being billed as the last song by the Beatles. Does it, do you think it matters or do you, I mean, I I look forward to it nostalgically, but after free as a bird, I don't know how, how good it will be musically. (laughs) That's, well, I, I I I liked. I have to say, I liked "Free as a Bird" and I liked "Real Love," the songs that the yeah. Beatles put together um, from the tapes that John Lennon had been working on before he was murdered. Um, but the difference between those and and here and now is that the recording that Lennon made was cleaner, so they could they could work with it and. Uh, put in their parts. Now and then, um, the recording was not good enough to to really salvage too much ambient noise and stuff. But then a new technology recently uh, was developed to allow them to clean it up sufficiently so they could go back to Lennon's early um, take of it. It was a cassette tape that he had. Um, It was recorded in his home. Right. Not long before um, he was killed. Right. And and um, they were able to clean out the background noise. So you do have a, you know, a clean John Lennon singing uh, and the uh, the other Beatles um, participating in it because they worked on it back then in the real love um, free as a bird sessions. They just couldn't clean it up enough to have that be the third song back then. So I'm very excited about this. Uh, you know, the notion that there's a, a new Beatles song coming on. Uh, in 2023 right 60 years after they first hit the scene i all right so john's so i think it's i think it i think it's 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 great all right i think it's great i think it's great nostalgically john not didn't grow up in that era not you know was not a, a a i i guess you know you didn't well I'm a first generation Beatle fan and i know that michael is too but you're not so what do you think of it I think it's great. Get it <laughs> out of here. Let's... You know who the Beatles were, right, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stepped on one once. Yes. <laughs> but that's there was a E-E-T. song called the Beatles Stomp. That's, oh, that's E-E-T. Right. This is E-A-T. Sorry. Yeah, the sorry. beat. The yes, beat. I am familiar with the works of the British uh, pop rock band uh, known <laughs> as the Beatles. 
And uh, by the way, Paul McCartney's band that was not Wings was Wings. Yeah, <laughs> I know that much. So I don't. I don't. I'm not completely ignorant. You um, knew that Paul McCartney was in another band besides ignorant Wings. of pretty uh, pretty much everything else, but not yeah. uh, <laughs> not that. Well, but, I, so but seriously, when you when you hear this as a as a as the kid on our on our on our uh, trio here, does it does it give you a shoulder shrug or does it say, well, this is going to be very cool. This is going to be very cool. I was going to ask you guys, when is this being released? November 2nd. November 2nd. I will be listening. I will be all ears and do not snicker. I see you both laughing. You're looking in my ears right now. <laughs> well, then not, let's not talk since, about it next week. By the time we Not get since Ross next. Perot. Not since Ross and Perot. Ross, yeah. That's right. Thanks. Ross Perot, Barack Obama, and me. And don't forget uh, LBJ. No, that was him picking up the beagle by the year. Um, <laughs> it says now and then will be preceded by a 12 minute making of documentary the day before its release and a music video the day after, which includes electric and acoustic guitar recorded in 1995 by George Ringo's new drum part and bass guitar and piano from Paul, which matches John's original playing, according to the announcement. And McCartney also added a sl slide guitar solo inspired by yeah. Harrison, as well as backing vocals from Star in the course. I look forward to it. I I I hope it's a little bit more up tempo. I free as a bird and and uh real love were a little ballady, but I, I would love to see this as a more up tempo yeah. thing. But I do what strikes me is simply the 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 saying, you know, that it's based on John Lennon's last conversation with Paul when he said you know, think of me every now and then, my old friend. And so that, that brings a, a tear to my eye and a and hope to my heart. <laughs> and with that, we we've been going on. So we're, we're gonna now and then we're gonna we're gonna have to close it off. But I I thank you guys. It was a lot of fun. John, pro, hit what you like, brother. What, what are you promoting? Uh, rollcall.com. Check out the uh, the. I guess they'll let me write a column. Uh, it'll be up on Friday morning. There, you guess they will, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Michael, <laughs> your turn, brother. Plug what you want. So my podcast is called That Said with Michael Zeldin. It's a book-based um, conversation uh, with a lot of different interesting authors. But one of the things I wanted to just mention in respect to the podcast, and you think of now and then the John Lennon, Paul McCartney, think of me now and then. On my podcast, if you want to go back into the history, there's a wonderful interview with a guy named Sandy Greenberg. His book is called Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. And um, I'm going to talk with you. As we know, that's a Simon and Garfunkel yeah. um, line. And I invite people to think about now and then when it comes out and then go back into my podcast and listen to the Sandy Greenberg Hello Darkness, My Old Friend album uh, uh, book, rather. And then we can talk about it at a, at a future date. It's a great Sounds story. Good. And the name of this podcast is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. We thank you for joining us, and we will catch you next time.